Praise the Lord. That story, Brother Longs, it reminded me of a Christmas that I had, we had. My wife, she's not here, so she you only get to hear my side of the story. She's worried about an expensive gift coming and somebody porch pirating us. So anyway, I'm like, no one's gonna come and do that. But anyway. She has her belief on that, and there's no denying her. <laughs> but I will tell you this little story here before we go into this. Uh, one year, I, we had this Christmas tree, you know, and that thing dried out. And I, I, we put it up too early, and I, you know, cut the bottom off, put water in there, all this stuff, trying to keep it going. And it turned into, a, you know, a really bad fire hazard. There was probably more needles on the ground than there was on the tree. And I remember we that Christmas morning, we got up with the kids, opened the presents and all of that. And then I went into the, to the other room to, I don't know, change or something. I came out and I looked, the Christmas tree wasn't there. <laughs> And there was about a foot of snow, and she just opened up the front door and threw it right out the front door. <laughs> Christmas morning. I go, what do you think the neighbors are going to say? Oh, well. It's amazing that we survived our 20s with uh, four or five kids. I was mentioning that the other day. 24. We had Natalia, Garrett, Nate, Grant, Joe, and Melody all living at the house. <laughs> And I was working two jobs to put crackers on the table. <laughs> Those were fun days, right? Anyway, we, the Lord provided. I remember there were days I'd drive that little Napa truck around. And I would say, God, when I, because we handed out free popcorn to people. And I would say, God, when I eat this bag of popcorn, let it hit my stomach like a steak. Fill it like a steak. <laughs> Oh, man, yeah, and it did. <laughs> anyway, the Lord has been so good and so faithful to me. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll brag on the Lord. I started that job at Napa, minimum wage, right? And the guy said, oh, the manager said, oh, the owner's just blowing smoke up your leg. Nobody ever advances. Well, seven years later when I left, I was the highest paid employee that he had uh, doing outside sales and making... I was 29, this was over 20 years ago, whatever, and long time ago, and I was making almost $50,000 a year. I tell you, God bless us. Three weeks after I got that job, I gave my heart to the Lord. Yeah, because when I first came in, when I first got that job, I had some problems with my car, and one of the guys working there, I said, hey, if you fix my car, I'll buy you a half rack. And so then three weeks later, I became a Christian. He wanted to know if I wanted to go out and fix the car and get a half rack. I said, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> half rack is a 12-pack of beer. Anyway. Okay, we got to get going. I got a lot to cover, and I'm running out of time already. Okay. I got one gift for one special person in the church. I mean, Sister Beth, you're close, but you're not it. Okay. One special person in the church. Let's give it to 
Come on down, Easton. Yeah, go ahead and open it right there. What do you mean there's nothing in there? Dad, hey, I am his gift. Go sit down, go sit down. You know, I, I really am. I'm his gift. Uh, and um, I, told, I, I tell the kids for years, I tell you don't need anything for Christmas. You already got me for dad. What else do you want? No, but here's the truth. The truth of the matter is, Easton, here's your gift, buddy. If you look closely at this mug, I did not shave this morning. Last week, he was on me. Dad, why don't you grow out a beard? Don't you know that God put hair on your face because you're a man? Why don't you grow a beard out and be manly? I'm like, <laughs> so I did all, I'm like, you know, and it just wasn't going anywhere. Then my wife jumped in. It was a two on one. And I'm like, oh, I'm not. So here's what I'm doing. Just is just for you. I am not shaven. Now, let's see, today, so by Sunday, that'll be five days. When you see me Sunday, I'll still have a suit on, but I'll have five days of whiskers, and it's all for this boy right there. There you go. All right. Now, I got appointments on Monday, so I might shave Sunday night. <laughs> all right. That's just, I mean, isn't that the best gift a father could give a son right there? So I'm doing it all for you, buddy. All right. All right. I got to get going. I got a lot to cover. Amen. Let's see. I'm going to talk to you tonight about something that is dear to my heart. Oh, we got to get this up and running. What's the act? Okay, let's put the present up. It's being a distraction. Okay, do we got it up on the screen? Yeah. It doesn't work. Looks very masculine. That's Jeff with whiskers. <laughs> It's only one day. Okay, okay, that's it. Right, okay, here. 
Hey! A story close to my heart. Yes. Now this is going to be the this is going to be the Christmas story that you probably have never heard before. In fact, this is going to be Daniel's Christmas message. Did you ever read the story of Daniel and see the Christmas message in there? Well, we're going to go over that. So if you allow me, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to be here tonight, Lord. I pray, God, that revelation and understanding would go forth. Lord, we desire one thing, to honor you and to lift you up and to give you all the glory, Lord God. I pray that you would bless this message and bless the congregation, your people, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Really, the Christmas message is in there. And I hope to bring it out in a way that perhaps you've never thought about. Amen. So where does this story come from? This Daniel. Well, the book of Daniel. That's kind of a neat picture, isn't it? Yeah. The book of Daniel it is not a long book. It's a short book if you've never read it. And uh, it is uh, very exciting. There's all kinds of crazy things that happen in that book. And we're going to go over one of them uh, today. So where would you find it? You find the story of Daniel in the Bible. So this isn't just a uh, fairy tale. Uh, this really happened. And God thought it was so important that he put it in there for you and I today. Amen. Because he wanted us to know the Christmas story. Where do we find it in the Bible? We find it not in the New Testament, but we find it in the Old Testament. So if you happen to pick your Bible up, you probably wouldn't even pick your Bible up. You just pick up a phone and look for it that way. But anyway, it's in what we refer to the Old Testament. Amen. So uh, how does the story begin? Well, the story begins with this. There is a giant world empire, okay? And it is taking over the kingdoms of the world. And eventually, it takes over God's people, Israel. And it takes over Jerusalem. Mm. Now imagine that. This empire that they don't follow God and they come in and they totally lay siege, burn everything down. It'd be like somebody coming in and burning down our church and then hauling all of us off as servants and slaves. And this is what happened. And so the story of Daniel is about four young men that after they were carried away to Babylon, that the king made them wise men because they were like you three. Really smart and well-behaved. And, and so the king said, there's something special about these four and I'm going to make them. But they were forced out they didn't get a chance to grab any family photos or anything like that. They had to just leave. 
take what they had. Well, this is Babylon. Fortunately, they didn't get the nice apartment, the condo over the, over the water, okay? That's where the Babylonians were living. Uh, they were in the slums, if you will, okay? But this is one of the, is it the seven ancient wonders of the world, they call it, right? The hanging gardens of Babylon. Pretty amazing. And so what happens is, after the children of Israel are there, that the king of Babylon has a terrible nightmare. It's, have you ever had a nightmare? Oh, right? I had, I had one here not that long ago. That I was being attacked by a bear. And I was getting ready to challenge it. And all of a sudden I woke up and my heart was racing like... I'm not fighting a bear, okay? <laughs> you ever have a dream like that? Yeah. But he had this terrible dream. And when he woke up, he couldn't remember anything about it other than his heart was racing, a, a spirit of fear and anxiety was over him, and he couldn't remember anything about this dream. And so you know what he did as a king? He called in all of his wise men. Here they are right there. They said, what can we do for you, king? They said, he said, I had a terrible dream last night. I need you to tell me what it means. And they said, we will do it for certain. First, tell us your dream and we'll give you the interpretation. You know what the king says? He says, I'm sorry, boys, but I'm not going to tell you my dream because I don't remember it. I want you to tell me what it is that I dreamed and then give me the interpretation. Hey, we're lucky. We found some old Polaroids of some of their faces. There's this guy right here. right? He's like, say what? You want me to do what? You want me to, you want me to tell you what you dreamed about and then, and then give you the interpretation? Another one said this, this little guy. Wait, uh, what did you say? You want me to tell you what you dreamed about? Hold on. I mean, I've, I've dabbled into a little bit, you know, tomfoolery with my wife. When she'll tell me about her dreams and I'll tell her, I'll get all serious. Say, well, really, probably the interpretation of that is this, right? She knows that I'm just kidding her. But, uh, but there's no way. And there, those guys said, are you kidding me? King. There's nobody that could do that except for a God. And gods do not reveal themselves in the flesh. Ooh, boy. They were so close, but yet so far away, right? So, immediately the king puts out a decree. Look at those guys. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. Off with their heads. Now there was a few of them that weren't there. Daniel and his three buddies. But the decree went out. And so the soldiers came to Daniel to grab him. To kill him. And Daniel, he said, hold on a second. He's probably a little younger than that. He says, hold on a second. 
Tell the king, give me some time and let me pray about it. Let me see if I can find the answer. And so what he did is he called his three friends and they began to pray to the one true God who reveals the secrets of man's heart. Now I want you to think about this. Daniel was praying God, don't let us die. Tell me the dream that he dreamed. Think about that. Oh, give me the dream that this person dreamed. I don't know what it is, but that is pretty deep. What that tells me is this. Not only does God know all of our thoughts, but he knows all of our dreams. And so... In a night vision, a dream, God reveals to Daniel what it is. He says, tell the king, I know the dream. And the king calls for Daniel. And he brings him to his throne. And I love what Daniel does. The first thing he does is he tells the king, here's your dream. Can you imagine what that king must have felt like. Fear running up his spine. Suddenly now his memory starts to kick in. And then he goes on. He doesn't leave it just there. But he gives him the interpretation. And he leaves no doubt. He says, for this is of God. And it is for certain. He says that this image represents these kingdoms that shall rule the world. And you are the first and the most glorious of all those kingdoms. And the other kingdoms will be less glorious than, than yours. And we know and history has shown that's exactly what happened. Babylon, the Medo-Persians, Greece, Alexander the Great, and then Rome. And finally, we are at the bottom, the feet. And I'm going to talk about that for a little bit. As the funny thing is, the kingdoms are less glorious. But the metals become harder. Where iron destroys and those legs of iron. And I want to focus in tonight on those legs of iron. The iron legions of Rome. The iron legions of Rome. Have you ever heard of that? The iron legions of Rome? For hundreds of years, they were the mightiest force army in the world. Nobody could withstand them. They conquered. They could not be beat. They were just an amazing force of army. Nobody could withstand these iron legions of Rome. I want to read this. 
Iron Legions of Rome was a legion of the Imperial Roman Army in 30 BC, about 30 years before the birth of Christ. It became part of the Emperor Augustus's standing army. It continued until the existence into the fourth century. But I want to stop and I want to talk to you a little bit about Augustus. Now, why is Augustus important? Here is a marble statue of Augustus. This was found in the 1800s at his third wife's house. They believe that this was carved somewhere around 20, 29, 27, 29. They think it's a copy of a, um, of a brass or, or copper one that they had before. But that is 2,000-year-old statue. This is his uh, bust of his face that they think was around 27 B.C., somewhere around there. Let me give you a little bit of background about Augustus. Augustus was born uh, Gaius Octavius, Octavius. So his name was Gaius Octavius, okay? Into an old and wealthy equestrian branch of the plebeian gens Octavia. His maternal great uncle, so the uncle on his mother's side, was Julius Caesar. He was assassinated in 44 BC. And, Octa and Octavius was named in Caesar's will as his adopted son and his heir. Okay. Afterwards, Octavius took on the name Gaius Julius Caesar and also, or was called Octavius. Now, let me explain a little bit of a history on the Roman Empire. Rome started off as a kingdom and then it turned into a republic and then it turned into an empire, okay? And the first emperor of Rome is this guy right here. He is the first emperor of Rome. Before he gets the power of Rome, Rome had been in a, uh, in a tragic civil war. There were three men that were fighting over it and it led to the death of Mark Anthony, Cleopatra, the last pharaoh of Egypt, right? And so here is where I think this might make some sense. In the summer of 29, Octavian returned to Rome. He was 34 and in command of all of Rome's 60 legions and, he, and respected by the legions rank and file. He brought with him from Egypt a wealth of treasures and two annexations. So he conquered and took in Egypt as a territory of Rome. And uh, what's that word right there? Who's? Anyway, opposite Italy across the Ardeactic Sea. His fellow Romans, here we go. His fellow Romans believed they had seen the end of war and strife. They had hailed him as the Prince of Peace. Rome had been in a terrible civil war for years. And he came in and ended the wars. And in fact, they credit him for a 200-year reign of peace 
in Rome, the Peace of Rome. They titled him the Prince of Peace. Guess who was the emperor during the birth of Christ? Augustus, the Prince of Peace. And benefactor of mankind. Celebrations lasted for days. Animals were sacrificed to Rome's gods. The Senate gave Octavian the permanent title, Commander Imperator, which, from which the English word emperor is derived. He is Rome's first emperor. Listen to this. Some inscriptions from the time still survive today. Augustus proclaimed that his reign would be a time of salvation for all people. And would herald the coming of an age of peace from which everyone would reap immeasurable blessings. An inscription in Rome, in, in the Roman city of Preen, in what is now Turkey, proclaims that the emperor's appearance exceeded the hope of all former good news. Surpassing all benefactors who came before him. Caesar Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar who had been proclaimed to God by the Roman Senate. Inscriptions on, coin, on coins called Augustus, son of the god Caesar. Inscriptions on imperial temples called him Savior and said the Pax Roma, that's the peace of Rome. That's what that means. Brought by Augustus delivered the good news of peace on earth. The empire that controlled the world thought that they were bringing in peace without the Prince of Peace. Does it sound like maybe huh. something that might be happening today? Yes, amen. Here's more. The providence which was ordered, this is more inscription. The, the providence which was ordered the whole of our life, showing concern and zeal, has ordained the most perfect consummation for human life by giving to it Augustus, by filling him with virtue for doing the work of a benefactor, a mediator, if you will, right? Among men, by sending in him, as it were, a savior for us and those who come after us to make war to cease. Hey, they got tired of sending their sons off and they didn't come back. Their husbands off. To create order everywhere. The birthday of the God Augustus was the beginning of glad tidings. They have come to men through him. Boy, it is absolutely stunning. Augustus Caesar's actions in Rome started a chain events that governed the circumstances of Christ's birth in Bethlehem. Tiberius Caesar, who followed Augustus on the imperial throne, also set in motion a chain of events in Rome that led to the death of Christ in Jerusalem. We shall consider how these two events are linked. Oh, here's what I wanted to talk on this page is Augustus Caesar, the year of Jubilee. Look at this. The year 2 BC was the 25th anniversary of the reign of Augustus Caesar. Approximately maybe a year to two years after the birth of Christ. The savior of humanity. 
and the 750th anniversary of the founding of Rome. Rome been around a long time. Romans throughout the empire celebrated for a year and called it the Jubilee Year of Augustus. The pastor just preached on the Jubilee. Amen. It's just amazing. But I'm here to, tonight to declare unto you the word of God. The Bible tells us, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This world will never have peace unless the Prince of Peace sits on its throne. Amen. And so when the world was declaring its own peace, they had missed the God of the universe who was sending on that as we now celebrate today on Christmas, the Savior of the world. I want to park here for just a minute. And I want to say this. The Bible goes out of its way to talk about Jesus being born in a manger. And the reason it gives is because the place where they were, they had no place to stay. So they went to a hotel, an inn, a motel. And the rooms were full. And so they ended up having to stay with the animals. Well, there is a teaching that goes on today that I cannot take part of. And I hope you don't either. I heard it a few years ago. And it's actually being taught in Christendom. And that's this, that it was very common for people to be born in stables back then. That is a lie. If it was so common, then we would find language of that in the Word of God. Luke would not go out of his way to tell the reason why he was born in a manger. Right? But he is... The flesh of the Almighty. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. He could have been born in great favor like the world's Prince of Peace, Augustus at the time. But not very, not very many people can relate to somebody that's born in a palace or born in a castle. Right? But we can relate to somebody of common means who's raised in the house of a carpenter. Amen. I want to tell you this, what the Word of God says about the Messiah. It says this in Philippians 2 and 7 is what I want to read. But made himself of no reputation. This is God manifested as a man, our Savior Jesus Christ. He made himself of no reputation. Right? He didn't come in with the big bells and whistles and here I am and all of this and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Look at Isaiah. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. Now look at this. He hath no form nor comeliness. What that means is 
He's not, when you see him, it's not going to be like, wow, that guy is Gaston from that Disney movie, right? Didn't look like Gaston. In fact, when you see him, there was no beauty. The eye will not behold this beauty. You and I might think that perhaps this is what he looked like. Something like this. Right? But he probably looked more like me. Or maybe more like this guy. You know, just an average guy. But maybe with a suntan because he was from the, the Middle East. And he probably had a beard. So probably, he probably looked more like him than the first guy. He was just an average guy. Right? <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're not a millennial, you don't know. You, this went right over your head. Okay. Uh, uh, you, this is YouTube's, going to be YouTube's first billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. Billion. Billionaire. He will be YouTube's first billionaire. You'll have to find out. His name shall be called the Prince of Peace. You know, the world, they cannot find peace outside of what you and I have. Just this summer. Here's the peace that the world has. Look like fun? Here we go. More pictures of peace on earth. Right? Yeah, it's quarantine time. Shut down. Put your mask on. Don't talk back. Right? Yeah, stay in your house. Don't go anywhere for Christmas. Like martial law, but they haven't declared it. Plus, we got the stress. Who's going to run this place? Who is it? Person that's running, it's probably not even up there, right? Jesus gives inner peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Amen. You see, we have a peace that passeth all understanding. We have a peace that the world cannot give. And as the saying says, the world cannot take away. The church. We know. We've heard for years. The rapture. The Lord is going to call His church home. You know, the scripture says, be anxious for nothing. And I got to try to tell myself, I need to be anxious for nothing. I don't need to worry and, and try to figure out, is it pre-trib? Is it mid-trib? Is it post-trib? He says, be anxious for nothing, Jeff. Right? Don't, don't, don't stress out over that. Don't worry. Don't get yourself in a fret over that. Yeah, but what about the great tribulation? And what about the Antichrist? And the mark of the beast. Oh, yeah. Well, a 
Let's go back to Daniel's Christmas message. You know, you're never going to see that statue the same ever again. I've totally wrecked your mind when it comes to that statue. Okay, Daniel's Christmas message. Because here's the thing. That last empire is just the feet. What that tells me, the empire is in control only for a little time. And guess what? It's not the iron legs. It's weak. It's iron with clay, and they don't stick together. It's got a similarity of that fourth great empire, but it doesn't possess the strength, and it's only here for a little time. But here's what happens to it. Here's the rest of Daniel's interpretation that he tells the king. He says, and in those days of the divided kingdom, those that last kingdoms that are upon the earth, he says, in the days of those kings, and I think we're close to those days, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be brought to ruin. And the kingdom itself will not be passed on to any other people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms and itself will stand to times indefinite for all of eternity. That's not the King James Version. But here's what I want you to know. The Christmas story, it started in Bethlehem. Yes, but I want you to know that the Christmas story is fulfilled when that little baby that was born as a Savior comes back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and He sets up His earthly kingdom upon this earth for 1,000 years. And at that time, there will be peace on earth. And that's when the lamb will lay with the lion and the child will have a pet serpent and it shall not harm them, the Bible says. This is where we're going, Brother Ali. This is the Christmas story. Amen. You see, that little baby, it grows up and it comes back to set a place, a kingdom for all of his children. That we have true peace on earth. You see, there is coming one that will be like Augustus uh, at this last time. uh, And he will try to declare peace upon the earth. uh, And he will do it void of God. Just like Augustus did 2,000 years ago. And at the apex of his kingdom. And at the apex of his glory. The Lord is going to crush it. And set up his kingdom for all of eternity. So, the kingdom, it's coming. Today, we've got people everywhere. They are going through terrible times. They have no hope. Without hope, life is meaningless. I'm almost finished. They don't know what to believe. They think they know the truth and they're willing to fight for it. What they need is hope. They have no hope. You see, the church, you and I, we have hope. 
Because we have the book. We have the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts. Right? We can't be deceived because we know His voice. I've spoken to Him. He's touched me too many times. I know the direction of His Word and the leading of His Spirit. And so we as the church, we have one mission and one call. It is to give this hope and to spread this hope. Now I have been racking my brain to try to come up with an outreach for the church for this next year. And last Wednesday, as the pastor was teaching, and he read some scriptures, scriptures, and it really opened up my mind. And he was reading about it. You have to sow at the daytime and in the nighttime. And the only time revival stops is when the sowing stops. And so I got this great idea as I was sitting there. I was so excited about it. I told the pastor, I said, I got a great idea. I'll I'll call you tomorrow and tell you about it. And I told him, and he said, let's do it. Here's what we're going to do. Amen. Starting. First of all, get your phone out. Get your phone out. Don't guess this. Get your phone out. If you don't have my phone number in there, I want you to put it in there. Brother Jeff. And that's J-E-F-F, not G-E-O-F-F. Brother Jeff, here's what we're doing. We're going on the offense. We're going to sow seed. And even when they say you can't sow seed, we're going to do it. And we have a plan in mind. It's a hundred souls in a hundred days. You know, they're talking big. Biden's talking big about what he's going to do in his first hundred days. It's nothing compared to what the church here at the Tower of Pentecost is going to do in its first hundred days. Amen. It's a hundred souls in a hundred days. Here it is. This is the goal of the church. What we are doing is this. We want to invite 100 souls to fellowship in a service with our church. We are trying. We are going to go out and invite 100 people to church. 100. First I thought, hey, we may be doing a month. Then I started thinking, Maybe, did we did we even invite a hundred people this last year? I thought let's do a hundred souls in a hundred days. Oh, I was just excited sitting back there, feeling the Lord and thanking God. A hundred souls in a hundred days. So here's how it works. We'll start January one. When you invite somebody to church, it's just a, hey, you know what? I would love for you to come to church. Are you going to church? Why don't you come check out our church? Come and check it out. We've got services Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. That is one. All you've got to do at that point is send me a text. Brother Jeff, I've got one. I don't need the name, nothing like that. I just want to know. I've got one. If you send them an email, they have to respond. Okay. If you send them a text, they have to respond. Either yes or no. doesn't matter. So I don't want blanket emails and blanket texts and all of that. Those don't count. But a lot of people text so if you text and you say, hey, we're having a special service Sunday at 10 o'clock. We would... 
You know what? Here's the thing. I was at one, I won't tell you. I was I was with he doesn't go to he doesn't go to this church. But he does go to church. And all of a sudden the phone went off and it was uh wicked woman. It was his wife calling. <laughs> yes, Pastor. I was in a district board meeting, right, when I was freshman, and there was one of the uh, one of the directors, and his phone would go off and it would smoke on the water. <laughs> Listen, a hundred souls in a hundred days, right? I like what he said, what the pastor said last week. Look, you plant that seed, you may not see it take off, but it is planted, and it is going to happen. Amen. Let's do it. We invite a hundred people to church and they might not come in that first quarter. But guess what? It will come. It will come. It will come. A hundred souls in a hundred days. That's all you got to do. It's just a simple invitation. It doesn't have to be a friend or a family member. This, I hope this store over here gets invited a hundred times, right? Anyway. You don't have to tell me their name. You just let me know, hey, I got it. And I'm going to keep a running total, okay, of how many the church has. And after we hit our 100, we are going to have a big celebration, COVID or not. Does that sound good? Brother Kelly. So we did a, a contest over in Canada once one time. I called it an invitational, right? Yeah. That's it. That's three right there. Okay? We just want to plant the seed of inviting. And what happens is, is this. Habits are created after 90 days. Boy, if we get 100 days in, our church will have a habit of inviting people. Right? Amen. Praise God. Do we got buy-in on this? 100 souls, 100 days. I'm excited. Praise God. I tell you what. This is it. I want to. This is going to be great things. I know that the devil is trying to shut churches down. And thank you for that message. Were you inspired last Wednesday by that teaching? I know I was. Amen. Praise God. So, hundred souls in a hundred days. Praise God. Would you stand? We will pray and be dismissed. Praise God. I'm going to ask. Uh, how about Jacob? Would you dismiss us, please? Thank you, Jesus, for this day, for this opportunity to step into your house. I pray that you bless us in this holiday season for our Christmas and the, the New Year's. I pray that you would allow us to have a fruitful and productive New Year. Get rid of this year and all the troubles and all the sorrows that happened this year. Let us ring in a new year. And uh, I pray that you would bless us as we go home tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.